This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today, those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige, and engineering firms. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello, hello. You are listening to the World's Best Construction Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by James Hardy. I'm your host, Fred, and as always, I'm joined by Liam Marsh down in Sydney, Australia, and Luke Bly over in Essex. Let's speak to Liam first this week. How you doing, mate? Good, mate. Good. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a little bit dusty. I just actually just got back from, uh, from a stag do in New Zealand a couple of hours oh. ago. Oof. Mm. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> they call it a bucks do over there, don't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Depends who you're talking to. I don't know. Some, I, I think some people call it bucks. Some people call it stag. It sort of mixes it up. Yeah, stag doing your thirties is is tough. I remember going on them in my twenties, and it was fine. You could go back to work the next day. But now, goodness mm. me, two nights out in a row in your thirties mm. destroys 30s, me. Mate. Late thirties as well. Thank you for that. I still stand mid thirties. I'll be late thirties. I'll be late thirties on forty two. Yeah. <laughs> This is your last year of being 39, isn't it? No, I've, I've just turned 37. Thank you for that. <laughs> I've, actually, I've actually just turned 38, dear listeners. Can't admit oh, to myself. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. How, uh, how are you guys? What's, what's happening? I'm prepping for a trip. Uh, I'm going to be going to Miami Ooh. in April, which will be good. Um, and it's from Heathrow. And I'm going to save some money because cabs to Heathrow from Essex, like, it's, you know, it's the other side of London, right? And it's over £100 to get a cab. I'm going to get my brother to drop me off at Brentwood, Shenfield, which is in Essex. Yeah, and I'm going to get the Elizabeth line all the way to Heathrow. And it's only going to cost me a couple quid. Genius. Wow. That's, that's like the full Elizabeth line the whole way. Yeah. Shenfield yeah. to Heathrow. Going the night before and staying in a hotel. Because I'm, you know, I'd, I've I've been scarred by nearly missing a flight to Oslo <laughs> once, and I, I'm not paranoid that I'm going to miss every flight that I book now. Um, but have you seen Fred? This is news to me, Liam. Why are you looking at me like that for? Why? Why are you doing well, hang, that? Hang on, hang on, hang on. So you're you don't want to spend over a hundred pounds on a cab, but yes. you're going to get the train for over an hour, I'm assuming, and then yeah. you're going to get a hotel. Yes. In England, in London, in Heathrow. In in Heathrow. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because that makes that makes way more sense because I'm putting that like hundred plus quid into a hotel room for one night. Wow. Does that not make sense? Yeah. I mean, yeah, the mess doesn't add up, mate. No, it wasn't, what do you mean? wasn't the mess I thought this was about saving money. I thought this was about saving money, but now it's about more about journey convenience. Yeah. Well, okay, yeah, no, good point. Good point. Okay, yeah. But imagine if I got a cab and a hotel. 
Why would you get? Why would you do that though? You wouldn't. You just get a cab three hours before <laughs> your flight, like a normal human. I would being. now. I have to say, no, when you say because it's too risky. M25, other side of London, Liam. Other side of London. There is no guarantee I'll make my flight. No guarantee. Check this one thing. Check the tube strikes, right? Because there's a lot going on at the minute. Um, oh, that's also, uh, when you say hotel at Heathrow, there's a range. There's a range there because there's some nice hotels at Heathrow, and then there's yeah. those ones like those old sort of 1960s ones on the mm. freaking runway. Like mm. you don't want one of them. You. I can't believe you're getting a hotel at Heathrow. What? Before you go on holiday. What? Like, what a faff. What an absolute faff. What a faff. Uh, mate, 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 hang on, hang on. Yeah, you've not thought this through, yeah? I get the train in. It's going to cost pay me for a couple cab, quid. Mate. Yeah, but the, Liam, if I pay for the cab, there is no guarantee that I will get there on time because it's too far. Like, it's, it's the M25. But I have why, to go why, through London or around London, and the traffic you just get the train mental. all the way there. Then, what in the morning? Yeah, how the hell does the train take? I'd have to get up too early. The weirdest situation. I'm mate. not Fred. I'm <laughs> this not, is the oddest thing you've ever said. This this is the lo- this is the longest way of me saying I did not know there were these like transport pods at Heathrow Airport. Have oh, you seen yeah. these? Yeah, yeah. Well, you can no, park, You do pod parking. Where you park your car, and then you get on a little uh, automated pod that goes on a little track up into T five. Yeah, it's what wa- Liam. It is wow. wild. It looks. Like, I thought it was like something from Japan. You know <laughs> what? What's oh. it? Heathrow. <laughs> I don't know. London was capable of such coolness. Yeah, but it's only it's only from one car park, and it's only at T five. And I just oh. it just feels a bit gimmicky. Yeah, and you get oh. your own one to yourself. You can choose your music as well. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> you can choose what that's music wicked. you want. Yeah. Yeah, it takes you to. That's amazing, isn't it? There you go. Yeah, guys, uh, Google Heathrow pods. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Do you have a car, Luke? Yeah. Why wouldn't you just drive and park at the airport? Because if you're going for a short trip, it'd probably less than hundred pound. Again, Liam, if I drive, yeah, on the on the day of the flight to the other side of London, Google and Apple Maps, and you can tell if there's a traffic jam before you go. And you, just you drive can, the other way. you can, but when when a destination is one hour plus away, there's no guarantee that a, an accident might happen. One, that just is to uh, just serious to paranoia. In. Do you I think just, it's because yeah, I, I nearly just, missed a flight? Well, 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 well right, nearly. ladies, can nearly. I just step in here and calm it down? <laughs> nearly, I also just like <laughs> save our audience before they go absolutely. <laughs> Bored to tears because this is one of the most boring conversations. I've ever had. <laughs> I thought it was uh, good. If you're listening, guys, please keep listening to this podcast. It gets better than this, I promise you. But if you're currently in Essex or you were in Essex one morning <laughs> and you had to get to Heathrow for a flight, how would you do it? What time is the flight, Luke? Uh, it's like nine, nine a.m. Nine a.m. So you've got to be at Heathrow for, seven a. for a transatlantic. Stop, stop. We've heard it all now. We've heard it all now. Less likely to be accidents, accidents at that time in the morning, mate. Right, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a long haul flight, so you've got a bit of Heathrow about six for a nine a.m. flight. How long is the flight? How would you get from Essex to Heathrow? <laughs> How long is the flight? Oh my god, it's like, like eight hours, ten hours, ten hours, something. Mate, that's not long haul. Oh, oh Liam, just, oh, I'm the not world right. We're is not on. Australia. The world we are moving is on. <laughs> We're moving it's been, on. It's been a while we since Fred mentioned his, his long flight over here, isn't it? Oh, you know what? Just just do one. <laughs> we can do better on this podcast than chatting about how Luke's getting to the airport for 10 minutes. 
goodness me coming up this week guys we're talking about belgium's epic new infrastructure project also in the news mercedes has unveiled uh, more details of its super tall skyscraper in dubai we're going to be talking about new york's demountable world cup cricket stadium and the whole thing as always sprinkled with plenty of messages and comments from the week let's go First of this week, we are talking about one of Belgium's biggest ever infrastructure projects, a very, very cool video that came out on the B1M yesterday that I travelled over to Antwerp, Belgium to film, and I loved putting this together. It's an epic story, and I am so, so pleased it's now out there. Bit of context for you guys, Antwerp is home to one of the world's most important seaports and is the centre of the world's diamond trade. It's strategically critical for Belgium, and it's worth saying for the EU as well. But the city's ring road isn't fully ring-shaped. It stops at the river, and that's causing all kinds of congestion. Uh, to give you an example, in 2022, drivers spent 61 hours stuck in traffic on average. Now, you might be thinking, why on earth are we doing a video about Antwerp's ring road? And I thought the same thing when we first looked into it, that this is an epic feat of engineering. They are now doing a... 7.6 billion US dollar projects to fix the traffic problem, complete the loop. And because of where that route is going, it's going under canals, under shipping lanes, through rivers, over city infrastructure. There you've got basically every kind of impressive engineering happening within one mega project. As I said, I went over to Belgium to film this. It was absolutely freezing. It was minus seven, feels like temperature of minus 11. I was very, very cold. Uh, I think you can see that in the video you can see how cold my ears and nose look but uh really cool i love putting this together what did you guys make of it mate you can definitely tell how cold you are because you're stiff you were like stiff as a board when you're presenting <laughs> like you can tell your arms your arms your back when you're talking into the camera you can just tell you're like just clenching the skin because you're so cold do you know it was most of that i had so many layers on like i realized when i put all my layers on i couldn't actually move very much and also, my uh, my high vis jacket wouldn't drop across my belly because because oh. I had so many layers on uh, underneath there. I'm in mean, a good like three feet through those layers. There are some abs in a six pack, but you wouldn't know it in that video. Oh, no, you wouldn't, man! You just look round. Mm. That's a little tease, Fred. A little tease. <laughs> um, do you, do you, how much do you prefer being like on site for a video like this? I love being on site. I love it. Yeah. And if we had the time, the money, and the resources, uh, I would film every single project on site. But the fact is, we can't do that because it is quite expensive. It's expensive. It's an investment of time and money. And you have to be really sure when you do that that the video is going to be successful. Now, we knew with this one that it would be because it is, you know, it's got a lot of engineering infrastructure in there. Mm. Um, but yeah, ideally, I'd go and visit every single one. But what we have to do at the minute is pick the ones where we're going to have the most impact and this is definitely one of them definitely think you need to think you need to sort it out mate you know fly to panama one week <laughs> week after that belgium week after that china why not hmm. yeah Crazy. i i think this is one of the the most impressive projects we've covered something like really? to use mm. hyperbole like that why mm. why do you think that I just think it's a really complex project. And when you actually look at the footage, you see how dense and how much traffic and how many people actually use this area. And for mm. them to build it the way that they've built it 
is extremely complex with the curves. They've got to build stuff off site, huge things. I, I know we're going to get to that in the video, which I can't, I'm looking forward to discussing the tubes and how they transported them there and the size of that is just oh, phenomenal. It's, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, just to give you a bit more context on Antwerp's traffic problem. Basically, as I said, there's, there's a, a half sort of a half moon <laughs> uh, ring around the city at the minute. It's not complete. It basically stops at the river. Now, there are then two tunnels running under the river that connects the uh, the loop onto the wider transport network in and out of the city. But those t- those tunnels have become huge bottlenecks. There's loads of congestion and it's spreading into residential areas. I have to say, when we were there. We did experience that. There was some traffic, but it wasn't as bad as what you would normally experience in like the Blackwall Tunnel or the M25 on a weekday morning. I think the the uh, it's all relative, isn't it? But for them, they were saying, this is the worst traffic ever. And we were like, oh, this is just pretty standard, really. <laughs> so <laughs> it was interesting it's to get almost, that. It's almost like when you're trying to get to Heathrow, you know, yeah. early in the morning from Essex. It, well, we're not going you there. Know, you just, hit... just stop. I'm not okay. going there again. All right. But th- there was <laughs> there's quite a few... Uh, Flemish people complaining about the uh, about the traffic, and we sort of scratched our heads, going, "Well, it's not that bad. It's just like regular regular driving." But anyway, uh, the road around Antwerp is important because it's also a crucial element of the trans-European transport network, uh, connecting Paris to Amsterdam along the North Sea Mediterranean corridor. So this really does matter. I'm not just trying to big up a ring road around Antwerp. It is a critical piece of infrastructure in a city that's very very strategically important to uh, trade across the eu and indeed the wider world now they are fixing it with the 7.6 billion us dollar oosterwheel link uh, which is being called belgium's product of the century first put forward way back in 1996 but now being developed by a firm called lantis on behalf of the flemish government now as you guys will know from listening to this podcast and watching any BLM video in the last few years. Building infrastructure in the middle of an existing city isn't easy, and that is calling for some epic engineering. Now, starting off, the first part of this route is the epic Skelt Tunnel, which goes under the first part of the River Skelt. Uh, they're using the immersed tube tunnel technique, uh, IMT technique, very similar to the technique that was used over at Femarn. If you guys remember, we did the Femarn Tunnel video. Uh, it's pinned to the top of our channel, that video. But it's a similar, similar approach. This tunnel is going to be uh, 1,800 meters long, 1,800 meters long. They're going to have uh, several or eight 45-meter segments, each weighing 60,000 tons. And the way this tunnel's put together blew my mind, right? So we were staying in Antwerp. Uh, That's where the construction works and where all the sites are. But we then, uh, on the second day, travelled over to uh, Zeebrugge, which is just north of Bruges on the on the coast, where a lot of the cars are manufactured and stored before they're put on ships and delivered all around the world. So there were like, I mean, literally tens of thousands of cars spread out in these car parks, all wrapped up, covered in white sheets, ready to be delivered. Amazing, amazing place. And what they've done is they've gone out there about 100 kilometres away from Antwerp to get a lot more space to create a factory to build these tunnel segments so what they've done next to uh, the docks there they've dug a very deep new hole uh, and in that hole they are forming these eight enormous 45 meter long 10 meter high 60,000 ton concrete tunnel segments and within each segment there is space for uh, a three-lane motorway 
going one way, a three-lane motorway the other way, a service tunnel, and a two-direction cycle tunnel. These things are incredible. There's a bit in the video where I'm walking past one. It's like standing in front of a large building. There's eight Mm. of them being built in this hole. And the idea is that once they're ready, they are going to close the ends of them, so they're sealed, they're they're airtight. They're then going to flood that hole with water and float the segments up to the surface. And then tugboats are going to drag those segments round out of that dock, 180 kilometers around the sea, around the coast, up through the Netherlands, and then down back into Belgium, into Antwerp, where they're then going to be lowered into a trench on the riverbed. They get pushed together. They pump the water out of the gap between them, creating a vacuum which pulls them together and creates a seal. They then take the uh, the ends out of each tunnel, uh, each tunnel segment, and you basically, in very simple terms, have a fully drivable tunnel under the River Skull. It is an incredible feat of engineering. Uh, and then meanwhile, back in back in Zeebrugge, they are leaving that hole flooded and creating a new dock for shipping containers and car ships to to use. And it was really strange because when we were down in the hole, in the sort of IMT factory on the floor there, the side of the wall next to us had already been turned into a quayside wall. So there were uh, like points for ships to dock on and, and tie up to. There were buffers for ships, even though they were just sort of up in the air at the minute. It was amazing stuff i have a question i've heaps of questions because this is this is what i find really interesting um this is what i was saying this is one of the most for me anyway well it's definitely one of the most interesting videos we've done how do they get these huge sixty thousand ton segments to float yeah so it's a good question so what they because when you're standing there uh, and there's this huge huge concrete element and the guy is telling you yeah we're going to float it around to antwerp you're like really and he was like laughing at me because he's saying please tell me it's going to float you know it's got a lot of pressure on him to get this to work um <laughs> so what they do is they close the ends in as i say with uh with like these these metal seals that prevent any water getting into the tunnel segment and then inside them i didn't realize this i thought they were empty inside but inside they create what he calls a swimming pool so it's like a huge tank of water they fill with water so the segment when the dock when the factory hole i described is flooded the segment stays on the floor. But then when they pump the water out of the pool inside them, that introduces enough air into the segment that it floats up to the surface. So when they first flood this dock, all eight segments will be sat on the floor. But then depending on which one they want to bring up and drag around, they'll float them up by draining the water inside them uh, and then drag them around. Again, in the right weather conditions, in the perfect weather window, in, in the gaps in shipping, drag them round through the Netherlands, down into Antwerp. And then they use that pool system inside them again to control the rate and the speed at which they sink from the surface down to the seafloor. It's just, what these guys are doing is amazing. That's fascinating. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It is fascinating. It's it's a big boy project, isn't it? It's a big boy project. And uh, it almost... It feels like it's not being built, you know, just over there. You know, if I keep going east from where I live, I end up in Belgium. You know, it's not far away. It's not wet, far away from you. us. <laughs> bit wet, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, you kind of you 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 get used to hearing about these sort of projects, and you know, like Asia, 
and other places. And um, yeah, this is impressive. There's just so much going on. And the fact that it's so important to the Belgian economy to, um, to Europe, it's in, it's insane. Yeah, it, it's worth saying this is this was nowhere near the same scale as the Fimon tunnel. Like what they're building at Fimon is the world's longest immersed tube tunnel, and the scale yeah. of that is is differently. But this, I don't know. I just I felt like I got closer into this process and I saw it at a more advanced stage. Um, yeah. So I, that for me just made it. Well, you can see me in the video. I'm like a kid in a sweet shop. <laughs> but it's in a more built up area as well, mate. Yeah, so yeah. the challenges are probably a, l- a lot more difficult. I mean, they've got, you know, the guys talking in the video about like, what, a medieval castle wall that they're having to bear in mind in construction. You know, it's it's fascinating and as impressive as those like huge projects elsewhere are, they're being built in places that don't really have that issue a lot of the time. Sorry, Liam, you're going to say something, mate. Yeah, no, I agree, mate. And it's like the curvature of the tunnels and things like that that they've got to consider They've got the rivers and things like that. Yeah. With that old medieval wall, was that just, I, I just remember in the video, we didn't actually show footage of that. Is that underground or is that? Yeah. So it's like an yeah, underground okay. archaeological site. Yeah. But it's, I mean, going back to the Skelt Tunnel, we went to the portal. So back in, back in Antwerp, they're digging this huge cutting down into the earth that comes off the motorway, the existing motorway, down into the earth that then creates the face of the tunnel that's going to go in under the river. And even that is massive. You know, the guy was saying on one side he's got the river, which is a major shipping lane for Europe. He's got a chemi- a live chemical plant. He's got uh, an ecological site, a, a protected biological site. He's got the existing main roads in Antwerp, Belgium. He's trying to move material up and down the river to get you know to not use the road as much. I mean, it is out of this world what they're facing. It, it, yeah, it's it's an immense project and. There's so many. We spent so much time with them going around this, and there are so many details that we we couldn't get in the video, but that are fascinating. Mm. Um, yeah, the guy was saying they're they're pouring these concrete segments in this huge hole they've dug over in, in Zeebrug, which is up there, sort of you know factory floor. But he was saying to stop the concrete going onto the ground and basically gluing and setting these segments onto the ground. They put gravel under them so that water can still permeate through under the segments, and they can get water all around them to lift them up. But then they've put like plywood over the gravel to stop the uh, concrete just falling down through the through the formwork. So they've got like this kind of like plywood formwork on the bottom of them that stays stuck to the bottom of the tunnels for decades and will eventually rot. And they've had to use the right type of material that won't harm the environment. Like, it, yeah, incredible stuff. Yeah. I've got a question about the government, actually. It talks about the Flemish government. Right, I would have thought something like this would come from a national government, but this Flemish, obviously, like a devolved form of government. But I mean, that's so localized, isn't it? You know, it I mean, is. we know how that feels in the United Kingdom, right? We've got devolved power in like Wales and Scotland, and and even like Greater London, Greater Manchester, right? But yeah, I I kind of get that more. Maybe it's my ignorance towards the you know Belgian geography, Belgian politics. But it's crazy that such a localized power is building and has such an influence on what is a major infrastructure project for this part of Europe and the yeah, world. Yeah, and I should say half a billion dollars is coming, sorry, half a billion euros is coming from the European Investment Bank. Right. Um, but the rest of it is coming from from Belgium. And, you know, 7.6 7. billion is not a lot of money for all the work that's going on here. I have to say, if you try to do this in the UK or in the US, goodness me, 
Yeah, why I mean, though? Just why why for is thirty billion? Why is it so much? Why? Yeah, why? Like I said, I'm. We, you know, we're not that far away, are we, Fred, from Belgium? Like on a map, it's just over there. Bit of water between us. Yeah, we're not that far. But what? Why is the price difference so major? It's worth saying that this isn't fully built yet. So there may be some more surprises that come up. In fact, they they did have a surprise in that the company uh, 3M, you may remember, uh, there was a big scandal yeah. in Belgium because they'd buried uh, PFAS, illegally buried PFAS material, I understand it, in some of the site locations. So when they started digging, they found this contaminated material that had been put there uh, by 3M. I believe investigations around that are ongoing. I'm not sure what's, what's happening with that, but that wow. set them back and cost them a load of money. Um, I don't know, Luke. Is it just better budgeting, better project management? Um, yeah. I don't know. The interesting thing about this is these are the biggest tunnels built in Belgium for 30 years. So there's not a lot of expertise around. They've had to you know, upskill and train people. And I, you know, again, there's so much detail of this project, but they've got whole training divisions, training up uh, young young apprentices, uh, supply chain. It, it's an amazing amazing feat of construction and that's just the first bit right i've talked about the most epic part but that's the skelt tunnel which runs under the first part of the river mm. that then comes up on the other side into the oosterwheel junction uh where traffic's going to come above grounds so you can then head off into the port or you can go back down into the next set of tunnels um but to make that less visible from a distance they've set that entire junction like recessed down into the landscape and done this very clever planting scheme around it from that you then go over into the canal tunnels uh which are these four 2.5 kilometer tubes stacked vertically underneath the albert canal the albert canal runs behind the antwerp porthouse the very famous zaha designed building classic um again not a normal way to build a tunnel but they're doing it like that so the tunnels take up less horizontal space in the canal now, big ships need a lot of depth to move around. So by stacking these tunnels vertically over to one side, they're able to preserve enough vertical depth to enable those big ships to go through and keep what is a critical port running. Uh, a, a huge, huge feat of engineering. Originally, they didn't want to do that. Originally, they wanted a very big bridge, which we show a picture and render of in the video. But that was actually rejected by the public in a referendum back in 2009. Yeah, they longed it off. <laughs> but enough. I like, and this is where the whole mythology thing comes in as well, doesn't it? Oh, indeed. <laughs> the weird, creepy <laughs> statue of the guy. Like, look at. Yeah. So they were going to call that. I haven't got this in the notes, but they were going to call this the Langer Whopper, which yeah. is named after this Flemish giant. Yeah. Who used to tower <laughs> over the people of Antwerp and torment them. <laughs> Uh, and there's a statue which we show in the video. I mean, yeah, interesting bit of artwork there. It's a classic, mate. It's a yeah. classic. We were saying, as we, I mean, have a look at the video, guys, to see this. But you have a, a, a man strutting with his hands on his hips, sort of squatting over some smaller people. It's unfortunate the way it's been designed. But yeah. uh, we were saying it's, it's a very clean, very respected statue in the centre of Antwerp. But if that was in a UK town, the abuse that statue would get. Yeah, within minutes would be, would be, would be. <laughs> anyway, they moved away from the Longo Upper Bridge and went for the canal tunnels. And then the final step is an enormous demolition project. So they're demolishing a very ugly, dividing, kind of divisive viaduct through the heart of the city. 
uh, and replacing it with more tunnels underground. Uh, and then above ground, where the viaduct was, they're putting in a huge new park, cycle tracks, green space. Very, very nice approach. Uh, adding more greenery into the heart of Antwerp, taking away a big, ugly flyover and putting in a nice green park. Uh, but to do that, they've got to put a temporary bypass in. So they put all the traffic on a temporary bypass while they demolish the viaduct and dig the tunnels. I mean, huge, huge, huge bit of work. And that's what I mean by the fact this is, on the surface, Antwerp's ring road is dull as dishwater. But you go around this project and each step they're doing these huge feats of engineering. It's it's awesome. Yeah. No, it is, mate. Wicked video. Impressive project. And uh, Jason Statham's in the video. He so, is, at the beginning. First time? Is that a first time for the B1M? We got the big boy <laughs> in? I believe so, yes. Yeah, wild. Wild. <laughs> Love a bit, Jason Statham. Also important to point out that the Oosterwheel link is part of a much bigger initiative to try and make the whole urban area of Antwerp safer to navigate, easier to access, and introduce more green transport options so you know i was a bit wary about doing this story because it's basically road construction but what they are doing is constructing this as part of their route plan 2030 so they want to cut the proportion of car journeys in the city way down they're building a new park and ride system where you can ditch your car on the outskirts and then get a tram uh, or a train or you know some sort of sustainable public transport into the center they're putting in green parks they're trying to minimize the impact of cars on the landscape and actually, this ring road, by completing the ring road, they'll reduce congestion, which will cut emissions. So, yeah, an impressive project. Really impressive project. Really like where it's headed. The people and the team behind it are amazing. They were so welcoming and kind to us. Uh, and, yeah, just the... I mean, just go and look at the video. The feats of engineering are, are insane. I'm going to try and go in the summer next time. I want to try and get a ride on one of these IMT sections as they drag it round from Zeebrugge over to Antwerp. Uh, so yeah stay tuned guys and let us know what you think about this project get your emails coming in podcast at the b1m.com so today's episode is sponsored by james hardy james hardy is the world's number one producer and marketer of fiber cement cladding and a market leader in europe for fiber gypsum products their smart innovations, paired with local expertise, set new standards in product design, value, and sustainability. Innovative products include the Hardy Architectural Panel, one of the most forward-thinking products when it comes to fibre cement cladding. With two stunning textures to choose from and the choice of any colour, you can make every project unique. There you go, Mr. Liam Marsh. That's what you need on your little house renovation, mate. Transform it. I could definitely use some of that, mate. Absolutely. <laughs> there's also the a2 fire rated hardy panel which offers facade cladding at an affordable price perfect for your next residential or commercial project guys check it out by visiting the james hardy website to learn more about the diverse range of products the link is down there in the podcast description but if you can't use your hands right now maybe you're doing an oil painting of the world's best construction podcasts logo maybe you're spinning a clay pot something like that maybe you're on a construction site maybe you're running a tower crane doing a very complex lift if you can't use your hands right now the url is jameshardy.co.uk forward slash a perfect match there are hyphens between a perfect match so jameshardy.co.uk as hardy with an ie forward slash a hyphen perfect hyphen match 
And for anyone out there who doesn't know how to use the internet, that is put a hyphen in. Don't actually type the word hyphen because I've seen that happen before. <laughs> Massive thanks to James Hardy for sponsoring today's episode. And don't forget, guys, you can find out more information over at that link. Also in the news this week, we are heading over to Dubai, where Mercedes-Benz has released more images of its uh, residential skyscraper. This is Mercedes-Benz Places, very cleverly named. Uh, the car giant is teaming up with developer Bingatti to construct a 341-metre super-tall tower in Dubai's downtown area. And uh, Bingatti are pretty good at this stuff. They're currently working with supercar manufacturer Bugatti on a 42-story tower called the Bugatti Residences. Again, guys, come to our new naming consultancy. We can do better for you. Uh, Mercedes is the latest automotive brand, uh, bread? automotive brand to enter the real estate market. Uh, others include Bugatti, Aston Martin, Porsche, Bentley, and many others who are now all building skyscrapers. Uh, what do you think, guys? It's 2024. Has the world gone mad? Does this remind you of something? Hit me. Uh, it, it definitely reminds me of something. I just can't quite put my finger on it, mate. No. Mm. no. Would you hmm. like to put your finger on it? Uh, I don't think so. No. Um, I know we went over this last week, and we only had a couple of um, a couple of renders, and I was, and I quite, I, I quite liked it. I think I'm going to change my mind. I think it's. It's quite ugly. It's very over the top. The ex- yep. Externally, I think that internally, the renders live up to what I kind of thought they would be, just very luxurious, mm-hmm. big high ceilings, nice timber walls. I like that. Yeah. I just, it, it's, yeah. I think you were saying last time it's a bit gimmicky, Luke. I think I'm just like the Mercedes signs as well, just looking at it go up the whole way of the building, don't they? Yeah. It's just kitsch i think kitsch yeah mm, that's that word again what does that mean <laughs> yeah right let's get it up again kitsch means like um let's have a look considered to be in poor taste but appreciated in an ironic or knowing way uh are objects or design considered to be in poor taste because of excessive uh garishness or sentimentality I actually, I, I actually don't mind what it looks like. I think it looks quite smart. It could have been a lot worse. And mm. it is interesting. It's different. I wouldn't mind this in London, to be honest. It would look quite good. A uh, few comments on this one. People saying it looks a bit sus. Uh, if you're not quite sure what we're talking about here, guys, we can't really explain fully on the podcast, but do go and have a look at the renders. Uh, the strap line for this is relax in sensual purity, which again might not have translated that well when you see that <laughs> strap line against the images. Uh, but do go, do go and have a look. Someone else saying, I think this is uh, Felipe saying, uh, Mercedes seeing Hamilton move to Ferrari after they gave him a pot of, uh, and a penthouse in this building. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be pretty annoyed, wouldn't you? Very yeah, good. You That's go. very very on on trend. Yeah, very topical. Yeah, like that, Felipe. Very yeah, good. Yeah, very good. Very good. Very good. I just think it's it's um yeah, the the shame is I can see the potential. I think it's close to being actually a really good design, but just some of the gimmicky like the logo, you don't need the Mercedes logo on there. Yeah, that's just come on. Yeah, but I, yeah. I can't really see that. I don't really, I didn't really notice that at first. I think it's quite nicely done. It could have been a lot worse. 
The rooftop pool looks epic. I mean, obviously, we've got someone looking out at the Burj Khalifa just just <laughs> to remind you that you're in Dubai. Dubes, dubes. Yeah, yeah we've got part. The apartments actually are named after um, Mercedes models. I think so. It's like if you look at go and look at the website, there are different floor plans, and they're all named after you, like the AMX or whatever it is. Go on, Liam. What you got? Do you? Would you prefer? A hotel, a hotel pool looking at the Burj or looking out from the Burj at the skyline? The former, a pool looking at the Burj, I reckon. Yeah, you, you do, yeah. right? You want to look at that skyline. Yeah. yeah. Mm. You could yeah, also look at the skyline. That has the Burj in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it has the Burj. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah I exactly. Agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah you could also sure. look at the skyline from that hammock bathtub, like a glass hammock bathtub in one of them or is it chrome or something <laughs> it is so bougie like it's so extra like it's just yeah the thing yeah. with a glass bath right is it looks nice when it's not being used but when it is being used i can't imagine the view on the underside of it being <laughs> being great do you know what i mean <laughs> things to think about mercedes uh it looks like a a very hard firm build this one it's gonna be quite a challenge so do go and have a look at that guys and uh get your comments coming in over a podcast at the b1m.com uh now rolling over to long island new york uh, a place we don't normally go to a thirty-four thousand seat temporary cricket stadium has been revealed uh by populous stadium specialists architects populous uh, this is the Nassau County International Cricket Stadium. It's going to host matches, eight matches, at this year's T20 World Cup. I don't know what that means. Apparently it's something to do with cricket before it is then uh, dismantled again. This is being built to the ICC's strict specifications. I believe that's the International Cricket People Corporation Club. Centre Club. There you go. Uh, uh, and the temporary... <laughs> Sorry. I, it's just so dull, cricket. It really is. Uh, they're then going to demolish this stadium. They're going to dismantle it again and use it for other things. Now, the really fascinating thing about this stadium is not just that it's 34,000-seater, going to be used for the Cricket World Cup and fully demountable, but these stands were used in the Las Vegas Grand Prix uh, in November. So they're now being repurposed for cricket in New York. Pretty cool, right? That is actually pretty cool. That is impressive. That is recycling at its best. Um, yeah, I think this is, this is decent, decent enough. Good idea. I'm just, I'm, I'm a bit baffled by cricket and America in the same sentence, right? Like, yeah, they're, they're obviously trying to gain popularity over there and to get more people picking it up, right? Yeah. Trying to spread the sport over there, I've noticed that way more actually, especially with like the World Cup being being held in the US, and how many people are following football as in like you know proper football, you know, mm. um, in the US has grown like massively, massively. So yeah, maybe they're looking at football and thinking, oi, oi, we can tap into some some potential there. Who knows? Isn't the big thing that's made the thing that's made like Disney Plus and. ESPN and stuff really successful is having the sports streaming rights. Like having the cricket rights yep. has been one of the things that's grown Disney Plus more than anything, apparently. Yeah, in India, they yeah. they used to have the cricket rights. I think they lost them, um, and yeah, it was huge, and it kind of was 
um, it, it was beneficial for multiple things because, you know, you have a massive audience that would sign up for cricket and then stay and watch other original content. So, yeah, it was, it was, that's the direction sports going in, right? Yeah. Mm. I, I could see, um, yeah, I could see streaming platforms like Netflix streaming more and more stuff. Like Apple streamed the MLS, right? Like the Lionel Messi games, no yeah. place for Miami. And yeah. Who knows? You, cricket has the potential to be massive. T20 as well, because that's like shorter cricket. Yeah, it's the more exciting end of cricket, which is yeah. saying something. Uh, yeah. Joey saying, <laughs> good for those on Long Island, but for those of us closer in the city, it's going to be a right track to get there. Uh, someone's saying it's time right. to introduce cricket to North America. Well, yeah, let's see how that goes. Uh, another chap saying, I live on Long Island. This is super random. It, it does feel a bit random. Um, I don't know why cricket is now coming to America. It's left me stumped. Uh, but we'll try oh. and find out some more details as we go along. All I'll say, just quickly, the North America thing, there is an argument to be made that it is already prevalent in North America, like the West Indies, Caribbean. Mm. It's like the national sport Forgive for a lot me. of islands. I think, I think we mean America rather The United than, States. Yeah, the yeah, United yeah. States, okay. yeah. I'm just, I'm just putting that out there because, you know. Now, we've, we've reached the limits of my cricket knowledge here, but uh, people were saying, why wouldn't you turn the strip the other way so that more people can look down the strip rather than at the side of the strip by the strip guys i think i mean the crease do i mean the crease the bit you play cricket on in the middle uh apparently it's more interesting to look down it rather than across it i mean again i need a cricket expert here because i don't know what i'm talking about (laughs) (laughs) i thought you would fred i thought you'd grow up playing like you're a surrey you're a surrey boy upon me mate we used to have to wear cricket whites in the summer did you really boring Boring as hell (laughs) i i like going now for a drink it's quite nice a day out sit in the sunshine have a drink there's cricket happening in the background i'm not really watching that you know right right yeah anyway guys uh get your comments coming in podcast at the b1m.com do you live on long island are you excited for the cricket world cup uh happening this year I don't know what other... Should the little strippy thing be turned around? What is it called? <laughs> is it the Chris? <laughs> Get your comments coming in uh, and we'll read them out next week. Heading over to the message inbox. What you got for us this week, Luke? Uh, cheeky Apple podcast review. Um, we love the reviews. Please keep them coming, guys. Um, Brass Razoo says, consistently excellent. How you guys keep coming up with such interesting and informative content so well filmed and edited astounds me. However, I'm so glad that you do. With a five-star review from from Australia. So, yeah. You can do written reviews on Apple Podcasts, which is nice. You can't do that on Spotify. Mm. But, um, yeah. Yeah, really, really nice to have a cheeky review, please. That he yeah. said more about the videos than the podcast, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> slightly, <laughs> slightly painful. Yeah. But I suppose we always we, we always chat on the back of the video content, don't we? We're like the expanded Dave. format, you know? We're like the grungy um, alternative. Yeah. yeah, and I guess when I'm on my own in the videos, I'm not being... You know, I can carry a video on my own, but when I'm here, I'm kind of... Mm. dragged down by Liam you guys they're yeah. written for you though aren't they mate yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much involved thank you Mr Marsh <laughs> whole, whole team of writers videos, yeah. who did yeah. the Belgian one who was that collaborative as well uh, it was me and Adam Savage yeah with a bit Classic. of Jim Casey filming on the ground so 
Jim Jim loves it. He loves his films, doesn't he? That's I've why we've got old Jim. big boy Jason Statham in uh Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen Jim look so cold. Like there was a point where you could just see his eyes because he'd wrapped his whole head in a scarf. <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely Arctic, but yeah. Oh quality. Quality. Anyway, guys, uh, keep your emails and messages coming in either on Apple, uh, review us on Spotify, or email us podcast at b1m.com. We'd really, really appreciate it. Massive thanks to James Hardy for sponsoring today's episode. Don't forget, you can learn more over at jameshardy.co.uk forward slash a perfect match. The actual link is down there in the podcast description. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll speak to you again next week. further than you thought isn't it it's further than you thought me what? KL no Heathrow from where I live <laughs> no is. it's exactly it it, honestly it is exactly where I pictured it no you're spending more time getting to Heathrow than you are going to Miami yeah that's true actually but it's all part of the experience I get to get the Elizabeth flying who are you flying with Virgin Virgin nice good don't ever it's pronounced ever, Virgin ever, you call them ever, Virgin ever. <laughs> Virgin and <laughs> Welling like a Virgin <laughs> uh <laughs>